0: And for a limited time, you can watch the first 10 minutes for free at hollywoodtakeover.com Ben, hollywoodtakeover.com slash Ben. When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money, but are your bills accurate? Well, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors.
2: No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.
0: I'd like to take a moment and have a real heart-to-heart with you. If you're able right now, place your hand over your heart. Can you feel it? That's your heartbeat telling you that you're alive. It's the same for a pre-born baby. Their heart begins to form at conception, and at just three weeks, it's already beating. At five weeks, a baby's heartbeat can be heard on ultrasound. And that's why we've partnered with Preborn because we need to help these precious babies— Every day, preborn's networks of clinics rescue 200 babies from abortion. When a mother with an unplanned pregnancy meets her baby on ultrasound and hears their heartbeat, it's a divine encounter. That doubles a baby's chances at life. And by six weeks, the eyes are forming. By 10 weeks, a baby is able to suck his or her own thumb. and say the keyword baby. The first day of
2: President Trump's impeachment trial has just come to a close, and we are joined here by one of the jurors to help us break it all down. This is Verdict with Ted Cruz. You may have noticed that I am not Ted Cruz. I am Michael Knowles, I am joined here by the man himself, Senator Cruz. Senator, busy day?
3: Yeah, pretty much business as usual.
2: <laughs> it was a nice, nice business as usual 13-hour day during the first full day of the impeachment trial. You know, we all know the arguments. We've been hearing about impeachment now since about five seconds after Trump got elected. Did anything change today during these debates?
3: You know, I don't think anyone's mind was changed. I think anyone who came in as a yes is still a yes. Anyone who came in as a no is still a no. I think that's true for the 100 senators, but but I think that's also true for the people at home. I mean, we're sitting here right now. It is 2.42 in the morning.
2: (laughs) Right. You've you've come here straight from the hill to this studio to do a podcast. I'll ask you why maybe in a little (laughs) bit, but you're, you're coming right on the heels of this debate, and yet nobody's mind was really changed.
3: Well, we saw 11 motions from, from the Democrats, one after the other after the other. This was all a battle of pretrial motions. Mm. It's sort of the early battles in, in, in a trial. And, and the weird thing was those 11 motions, it was the same thing over and over again. Right. So, so I have to admit, I expected the first one and maybe even the second one. I didn't expect them to keep filing basically the same motion, keep making the same arguments over and over again. It was like Groundhog Day, they, except they'd get up and have a different House manager stand up and make the, the, the same damn arguments. And, and, and you saw, like like the senators in the chamber, just their eyes glazing over. And, and I'll tell you, Michael, what was revealing. So when we started at 1 o'clock, the Senate gallery was packed. There were mm-hmm. lots of reporters up there Were the people sitting there. As it went on, within a few hours, the reporters had cleared. Half the reporters were gone, and, and by 8, 9 o'clock at night, the gallery was empty. Like, everyone had left and said, right. okay, I don't know what's going on here, but I'm bored out of my mind.
2: This is what I was wondering the whole time, because I wasn't really surprised by much of what was going on. We knew what to expect other than the time. What are they thinking? I mean, what is the end game here for these Democratic House impeachment managers?
3: Look, they're, they're trying to drive a message, but, but I'm not sure what's gained by just droning on over <laughs> and over and over again what exactly that they, they thought was beneficial uh, about talking at 1.30 in the morning. Right. Um, who was listening? Uh, and, you know, it was interesting also. I thought the House managers, look, I'll say at the beginning, at the beginning, I thought the first couple of hours, the House managers were doing a, a pretty good job. Mm-hmm. They sounded more reasonable. They sounded less partisan than they, had, than they were during, during the House proceedings. It and was good
2: political theater.
3: It, it was that there were some good moments. I'm sure MSNBC will be clipping little <laughs> segments of it and saying, oh, this was powerful and wonderful. But then it, it, it got, number one, really redundant. But, but number two, it, it was striking to see, especially Adam Schiff and, and Nadler, just, just lecturing and, and, and condescending, uh, not only to the senators, but to the American people. Right. I mean, it, 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 it was a harangue. By the end of it, it wasn't designed to convince.
2: Uh, yes. And I want to ask you about the theatrical side of it, because it seems to me there are two theories on impeachment. And on the one hand, you've got guys like Alan Dershowitz, who are on the president's legal team and actually was a professor of yours in law school. He taught me criminal law. Well, what Professor Dershowitz has said is that there is a legal requirement for impeachment. So it's not just all political theater. There actually is a legal threshold you've got to meet for an impeachable offense. Then on the other hand, you've got Guys like former President Gerald Ford, who said impeachment is pretty much whatever the Congress says it is, and high crimes and misdemeanors are however we want to define it at the time. You are not only a senator, you are a constitutional lawyer, one of the brightest legal minds in the country. Which is it? Is there a legal requirement for impeachment?
3: Look, There absolutely is. The Constitution specifies what's required for impeachment. And, And the framers, if you look at the standard, you can impeach a president for treason, bribery, or other high crimes and misdemeanors. That's what the Constitution specifies. And, and if, you, if you get to the heart of the problem with the House Democrats' case here, it's that they have an alleged treason, right. bribery, right. or other high crimes or misdemeanors. That Their disagreement, we heard a lot of this today, is they just don't like the guy. They hate President Trump, in case anyone missed that point, <laughs> and they disagree with him. They disagree with him on foreign policy. They disagree with him on politics. And you know what? They're entitled to have that view. That's the beautiful thing about our democratic process. But disagreeing with someone politically or on policy is not sufficient grounds to impeach them. You've got to demonstrate treason, which they haven't alleged. Mm -hmm. You've got to demonstrate bribery, which they haven't alleged, or other high crimes and misdemeanors. And it's interesting, if you look at, so what is a high crime or misdemeanor? Uh, You can actually learn a lot from the history of the Constitution. When the Constitutional Convention began, the text of the Constitution just said treason or bribery. So those were the only two grounds. And then at the convention, George Mason, who's one of the more respected of of, of the founding fathers, said, look, treason and bribery are too narrow. Mm -hmm. We need to be broader. So Mason proposed adding the word maladministration.
2: So you're just no good at governing. You're no good at your job of being president.
3: And he argued, look, there are circumstances we'd want to impeach a president that are broader, and so let's add this. And James Madison, who you know, is often referred to as the father of the Constitution, he stood up and, and he disagreed. He said, look, maladministration would be a mistake. What it would mean is you would have a president impeached any time the Senate disagrees with him. Right. Any time there's a disagreement on policy or politics, they'd be impeached. And so it was Madison who proposed, instead of maladministration, other high crimes and misdemeanors. And that was, in turn, what was adopted in the Constitution.
2: This is why I want your historical perspective here as well, because we're joking about how absolutely tedious and boring these impeachment proceedings were. This is an historic event. This is the third time that we've done this in American history. You know, we managed to make it Uh, almost eighty years in our country before we impeached a single president then we made it more than a hundred years after that before threatening to impeach another president now we've impeached two out of the last four it seems like this is speeding up it seems like we're getting into a situation where the Congress is just gonna throw out presidents that they don't like are we doing this too much is this a bad sign for the country I I think it's very dangerous I I think if the house democrat standard this time if if that's what
3: holds going forward Anytime you have a president of one party and a house of a different party, mm-hmm. they're going to impeach him. We're right. just going to see this as a standard tool of political warfare. You know, you look at the, the, the two articles of impeachment the House voted out. Neither one of them alleges a crime, right? Like, like on their face. They don't allege any violation of criminal law. They don't, they don't allege any violation of civil law. Well, if you don't allege the law was broken, it's not a high crime or misdemeanor. And, and, and that... What was interesting about today, so this was all about whether to call additional witnesses. Now, look, the House had 17 witnesses. Mm-hmm. They only called prosecution witnesses. They didn't let the defense call witnesses. But getting here, House managers wanted to call a whole bunch more witnesses. They wanted to go
2: on a fishing expedition. Right. And and sort of w- their- And why did they, by the way? Because they, they were trying to call—they called all these witnesses, and they they heard them out, and then they took the impeachment vote. If they wanted more witnesses, why didn't they call them before the impeachment vote?
3: Because they haven't proven their case. Right. And, and they know they don't have the evidence. You know, rewind. Go, go back a month or two. Uh, you may remember during the House proceedings, there, there was a time when suddenly all the House Democrats began talking about bribery. Mm-hmm. And, and, and actually news stories explained why they did it, which is the DCCC, the, the Democratic, Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee, did focus grouping and, and polled it. And discovered bribery is really bad. People don't like bribery. They're mm-hmm. mad when their president's bribed, and and just about every House Democrat, like flipping a switch, began saying bribery, bribery, bribery. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? Bribery is an impeachable offense. If you can prove bribery, y- y- you got him. But the articles of impeachment don't allege
2: bribery. They the, could. They they considered doing it, right, and then they they pulled it back.
3: And. and that's their problem right now is they heard this witness testimony, they, they, they heard all this evidence, and they can't prove their case. So what they want to do is they want to try to bring in as many witnesses as they can and, and, and go fishing, try to find something to back up their case. What the Senate ended up doing today is, is we adopted a, a procedural order, basically a way of proceeding, and it is very, very similar to what, what the Senate did in the Bill Clinton impeachment, hmm. Bill Clinton impeachment had two phases. Phase one was opening arguments and questions from senators. And there were no witnesses. There was no consideration of witnesses in phase one. And then after that, the Senate debated and fought about, should we have additional witnesses? They end up uh, calling a few additional witnesses for depositions. So what we did today, what Senate Republicans did, is took an order very, very similar to the Clinton order. By the way, that order was approved
2: 100 to nothing. It was bipartisan, it was unanimous. every Democrat, every Republican but Senator, that was then this is now, that was when it was a democratic president, and now obviously, and I, I I say this somewhat jokingly, but there is a lot of hypocrisy that's going around between these two impeachments there is massive hypocrisy
3: now look i I will recognize hypocrisy as a problem on both sides sure, of the aisle sure. it's, it's not like Democrats have a monopoly on that but but it it is striking the recency of the hypocrisy. You know, right. there was one moment where, where Pat Cipollone, the president's White House counsel, led the defense team, he quoted from Jerry Nadler, who just a few months ago <laughs> had said a partisan impeachment from just one country would never work. It would be bitter and divisive and, and rip the country apart. Mm-hmm. If you, and, and if that, from just
2: one party. If you had right. just one party pushing this, as the Democrats have in this impeachment. And what's
3: interesting is that wasn't Jerry Nadler talking during the Clinton impeachment, although he said that back then, that was him last year. Right. That was him trying to push back the, the far left in the Democratic Party saying, no, 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 we can't impeach this guy Right. because it can't be partisan. Unfortunately, that's, that's where we are. And, and, and I think the way it's going to work going forward is we're going to have opening arguments, it's going to start with the House managers. They got 24 hours. Um, initially, by the way, our, our scheduling order provided for two days, 24 hours over two days. Right. The Democrats were screaming all day. Two days is terrible. We can't possibly do it in two days. You guys are it's a cover up trying to give us 24 it's hours.
2: It's not a trial. It's a cover up.
3: By the way, the Bill Clinton impeachment order,
2: 24 hours. Exactly. That's an same. inconvenient fact, but OK, sure. So yeah.
3: it's actually <laughs> one of the things actually that the Senate Republicans said, fine, we'll give you three days. So instead of 24 hours over two days, 12 hours a day will give you 24 hours over three days, eight hours a day. I really hope that doesn't mean that the next three days we're going to listen to eight hours of them repeating the same arguments. It was interesting today, this was supposed to be
2: fighting over pretrial witnesses,
3: But the Democrats basically
2: gave their opening argument. Today. Yes, and that, that actually was somewhat unexpected. But right. It, right out the bat, Adam Schiff seemed to be making the argument on impeachment, not on these questions of whether they're going to call John Bolton or some other relevant witness.
3: Well, and I think that's actually what House Democrats did most effectively today for the first several hours. Mm-hmm is they told their story. They treated this pretrial fight as an opening argument. They were talking to the American people. I thought the first couple of hours they were pretty effective. And then it just started getting... They just started repeating it and getting right. angrier and angrier as, as the day went on. You know, as, as I look at the, at the White House defense team, I think they've got some very talented lawyers. I think they made some good arguments today. But I also think they got too mired down in process. Mm-hmm. The, 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 there, there was too much being lawyers and, and making lawyerly arguments and, and and what I hope we see in the days to come from, from, from the president's defense team is number one that they get more into the substantive arguments, not mm-hmm. just the process, not just the the, 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 the minutiae, but the fundamental substantive argument that this was not this was not a high crime or misdemeanor, that it is always within a president's authority and a government's authority to investigate corruption. Mm-hmm. And, I mean to, to address the substance and also, To tell a story, that's something, look, you could see that the Democrats are trial lawyers. They're telling stories, not just to the 100 senators in the room, but to the folks at home watching. Um, I think we need to do a better job Mm -hmm. um, telling a story as well. And it's especially needed because the president hasn't had a chance to tell his story. The whole House proceeding, they shut down the minority, didn't allow minority witnesses. So we need to tell the basic narrative that's what the president needs to tell. I think that's what, what the Senate needs to tell is focus on the facts and substance, not a
2: lot of rhetoric, not a lot of anger and emotion. Mm-hmm. I want to ask you about a specific story that Congressman Adam Schiff, one of the, the House impeachment managers, was telling today. Really because I think most people have no expertise on it at all, including myself. Yeah. Adam Schiff seemed to suggest that there is pretty much no role for the judiciary in impeachment proceedings. He said, we got to get the courts out of it. We got to get the judges out of it. And I thought it was a very odd thing to say while Chief Justice John Roberts was presiding over the impeachment as per the Constitution. Did Schiff just get it wrong? I mean, what is the, what is the balance of power here? So look,
3: if you look at the role of impeachment, impeachment itself is, is, is a combination of the two branches. If you look in the Federalist Papers, Alexander Hamilton writes in the Federalist Papers about how the framers struggled with to whom to give trying impeachment. Mm-hmm. And, and they wanted a body that was independent. They wanted a body that, that had credibility. And they chose the Senate. They considered the Supreme Court. So they, were, they, they considered maybe we should have the Supreme Court try impeachment. They said, no, let's give it to the Senate, but let's make the chief justice preside. And so it was sort of a hybrid of the two. Right. If you look at privilege questions, so all of the debate about witnesses comes right down to privilege yeah. and, and executive privilege. Executive privilege is something every president has had. It's, it's, it's the ability to have your closest advisors, your national security advisor, give you candid advice without being hauled into Congress and put on national television. Yeah. Um, now, asserting privilege, look, we're all familiar with attorney-client privilege. Mm-hmm. You talk to your lawyer your lawyer can't be brought in and put in the stand as a general matter to tell, them what, to, to tell everyone what, what you said to your lawyer. There's spousal privilege. You, know, you, you, you tell your wife or your husband something at night that they, they can't force your wife to come into court and testify against you. Now, mm. there are exceptions to it, but privileges are commonplace, and, and courts routinely litigate privileges. Those are, those are questions courts are used to considering. In this case, the House Democrats, frankly, I, I think are playing games. And and the best way to understand it is look at John Bolton. A lot of the argument today was about John Bolton, John Bolton's national security advisor to the president. So House Democrats said, we want John Bolton to testify. And John Bolton did something very interesting and I think very clever. Uh, John Bolton's lawyer went to a federal court in in DC and filed a pleading that said, Judge, my client has two conflicting obligations. Hmm. House Democrats have asked him to come testify. But the White House has asserted executive privilege and said he can't testify. And, and John Bolton's lawyer said, look, my client doesn't know what to do. So, Your Honor, he'll do whatever you tell him to do. We, we, we put ourselves at the mercy of the court. You, Judge, tell John Bolton what he should do. The next step is remarkable. You know what the House Democrats did? They said, never mind.
1: <laughs> they, they,
3: they, they literally backed off. So there was another guy, Charles Cooperman, who was John Bolton's deputy who they'd issued a subpoena for, they withdrew the subpoena from Cooperman and they told the court, we're not going to subpoena John Bolton. Never mind. we're not going to call him as a witness. We're not going to subpoena him. We're not going to fight him. And then they get to the Senate and the first thing they want to do is subpoena John Bolton. And they literally (laughs) passed on it in the House. Contrast that to the impeachment of Richard Nixon. Now Nixon ultimately resigned. But if you remember, there was a lot of litigation concerning Nixon and, and you had a grand jury subpoena for the White House tapes, remember in the Oval Office, Nixon had a tape, tape recording system. Bad idea, but he did it. Very D- bad idea. <laughs> By the way, as an aside, I don't understand all the people who have Alexa in their house. Like, like why exactly you want to bring a tape recorder into your home 24 hours a day? <laughs> We're that, just masochists, that, <laughs> glutton it, for it, punishment. It, it, you know, it really would be different if they renamed Alexa like, like Tricky Dick. I, people would be much, much more nervous about <laughs> it. But, know, okay, right. set that aside. In that case, the litigation went all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court issued an order to the White House, hand over the tape. And it was, I think, two days later, Richard Nixon resigns. Right. That's actually the right way to do it. Look, if the House mm-hmm. Democrats wanted to get John Bolton's testimony, they should have subpoenaed him and they should have fought for it. And, and the claims of privilege are real. They're serious. You don't laugh about them and dismiss them. You fight about them and, and litigate them and resolve them, and that can be done relatively quickly, as we saw with Nixon. In this case, they're not interested in that.
2: This is ultimately about a political attack on the president more than anything else. Well, what I want to know is what lunch was like today in the Senate dining hall. But <laughs> By that I mean, is the Senate taking this seriously, or does everyone everyone's just made up their mind and they're dragging it out because... I don't know. You tell me. Well, look, number one, when we have lunch in the Senate, we don't have lunch together. Uh, all really? the
3: Republicans have lunch together, all the Democrats. I mean, it's sort of like the Crips and the Bloods. I mean, they, they, it, <laughs> it, it, it is It is a much geekier, much older yeah. version of
2: things. Yeah, you're, you're making the senators <laughs> sound really cool. I don't know, very dangerous. Yeah, that
3: You know, Brill Cream is a really popular product. Uh, um, it's – and that's true – Every day in the Senate, but mm-hmm. but the way it's working now during impeachment, we're starting every day at one p.m. under the Senate rules. That's when the trial starts. Right. So the Republicans were having lunch meeting eleven thirty or noon each day. So we went and had lunch, and we're having a vigorous discussion about uh, about the upcoming trial. And it's actually where, so Mitch McConnell had drafted. I mentioned earlier had drafted that each side would get 24 hours over two days, and, and the Democrats had been screaming that was a massive cover-up, and it was actually Republican senators who said, you know what, if they want an extra day, give them an extra day. Same <laughs> 24 hours, but if they want three days instead of two, fine, it's let it's not the end of the world. I thought that was a very—I re- agreed with that. I thought that was a reasonable thing to do, and of course it didn't stop the complaining at all. You give them, give them what they want, and they still say it's a massive cover-up. Right. But but that was most of the discussion actually at lunch today. Hmm. Um going forward so we're going to have opening arguments from the house three days opening arguments from the white house three days although i guarantee you they're not going to go three days i think they will be much shorter than that we've then got 16 hours of questions from senators and and the questions are a little bit weird it's not going to be individual senators asking questions as much as I would love to cross-examine these House managers, and I promise you I would love, love to go at <laughs> I'm
2: it. looking forward to it. That's... Uh,
3: Senate rules don't allow it. So, so our questions have to be written. I got to write them down. And then the Chief Justice asks them. And it's 16 hours, and it alternates typically Democrat, Republican, Democrat, Republican. So by the way, anyone listen to this, let me, let, let me say, if you have a question that you think needs to be asked, needs to be asked to the House managers or needs to be asked to the White House team... Uh, use Twitter. I'm at Ted Cruz, um, and 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 just use the hashtag Verdict. And we're going to be watching Twitter uh, to get we ideas will be, from you.
2: I have to say, as as absolutely tedious as the hearings were today, I was so excited to wait until three in the morning to come here because it, it is not possible to get <laughs> Michael, closer. You, re, you
3: really need to get more. I
2: need life. to get. I need a hobby. I need. <laughs> it's really not possible to get closer to this impeachment trial than. You, I mean, then, then one of the jurors who is there, who is enduring all of these, these tedious arguments all the time, and who's seeing this truly historical event happen. What I want to ask you, though, is you put in a 13-hour work day, not exactly probably the most pleasant day you've had in the Senate, and then you decide to come immediately here to this studio and do this podcast. What are you thinking? Why on earth are you doing that? Look, substance matters.
3: This is a time where our country is is divided. I mean, is angry. I mean, we see emotion. We see bitter anger. I think truth and substance matters. I think facts matter. I think the, the Constitution matters. And and so this podcast during impeachment, we're we're going to do it each night, coming and just 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 talking about what happened that right. day. We
2: will be covering this every single night as the impeachment trial unfolds, and then of course yeah. there will be a whole lot more to talk about I, as well.
3: But but on issues going forward, I I. I you know, if you turn on cable TV, you get people in five, six-minute snippets that are yelling at each other, that are engaged in just political rhetoric. We need to be talking the actual—you know, when you ask me about high crimes and misdemeanors, I could just say, this isn't it. <laughs> Why? Because my party is the one in the White House. Well, that's not the right answer. Let's actually talk about what the constitutional standard is, and, and that's true— on issue after issue, whether it's it's it's, it's free enterprise versus socialism, mm-hmm. uh, w- whether it's 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 gun control versus the Second Amendment, it, every issue, I think we need to engage more. We need to win people's hearts and minds. And and so what I hope to do is have ha- have conversations, really talking about issues that matter and 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 that's what this podcast is all about.
2: Right, they they don't necessarily get a hearing on TV. Unfortunately, they often don't get much of a hearing in the Senate, but uh, we're hoping to flesh that out here and we'll be able to speak of course to all of the listeners, so definitely they should send those questions in. It would also be great, of course, if all of the listeners could subscribe to Verdict with Ted Cruz and leave a 5-star review. You know, unfortunately, I was just getting excited for us to get into the really important public policy matters, like Mexit, you know, Meghan Markle and <laughs> Prince Harry. We were going to touch on things that matter, but we've run out of time. And you need to get back to the Hill and, and get back to the Senate within, I don't know, three or four hours or something I like mean, that. It's, it's t-
3: tomorrow, 1 o'clock. Presumably, <laughs> we start with opening arguments, although I don't know if we will see House managers try to do more delay tactics. I hope not. I hope they actually dive in, into the Barrett's. And I'm looking forward... To the president's defense team, having a chance to lay out the substantive merits, they need to get into that more. I think it's important for the American people to hear it.
2: And we ha- we haven't seen it yet, and maybe we'll see it tomorrow. And certainly, whatever happens tomorrow, and all we can expect is the unexpected. We will be right back here breaking it down with as insider review as you can possibly get on the Senate, on the impeachment trial, and of course on the Constitution. Be sure to tune back tomorrow. I'm Michael Knowles. This is Verdict with Ted Cruz. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.
0: Hollywood is under siege from an external force. The same Hollywood that sold the American dream is now making nightmares a reality. Many major films make choices to appease the Chinese Communist Party to be distributed in China. Join Tiffany Meyer, an investigative reporter in Hollywood Takeover, brought to you by the Epic Times, where she reveals how the CCP exerts control over some major studios don't miss the most important documentary about hollywood yet for a limited time watch the first 10 minutes for free at hollywoodtakeover.com slash ben hollywoodtakeover.com slash ben